What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 128, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, The Changeling. The Changeling. Yeah. All right. So, uh, looking forward to talking about this one. So, friends. We are an independent podcast. Thank you very much for all of you who help keep the show independent. That's like what people say. Yeah, I'm going to bag my thing. So a couple things that, uh, friends, you should know right now. Yesterday, I got myself a nice little uh, boost of vaccine in my arm because I work in a particularly vulnerable environment. And uh, I'm doing fine, but I'm not doing 100%. So if I stumble around and make dumb jokes and go off on tangents, that would be normal. So expect worse this time around. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to be fine. Uh, but, for example, I'm about to ready to bag on myself for not rewriting this paragraph, and Zach's going to be like, Brent, you have the power to write it. And I'd be like, yeah, but I don't do it. You see, that's it takes that. Anyway, uh, friends, if you'd like to support the show in any way uh, specific to Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Slash walking through the Stargate. On there, you'll find different tiers and privileges. Uh, one of the one of the perks of getting onto Patreon is that we create Patreon first audio content. We got a couple of things in the can that, or not in the can, on the calendar, sorta. Um, we have a Stargate Second Chances episode to record. That's where Zach and I go back and revisit an episode based off of your votes, Patreon members. And uh, we watch it for me a second time, for Zach a 17th time, and we talk about it again and give it a new rating. So uh, on our agenda, uh, to which we were trying to figure out when we're going to actually record this thing, it's a little bit trickier than we thought, uh, we're going to be talking about the Knox. So if you'd like to hear us talk about the Knox right away, you can jump onto Patreon and get all that goody, goody, goody. Um, and another thing that we do which is very recent because we've hit a milestone on our support is that we will be watching episodes of Stargate Infinity, uh, the non-canonical, terrible animated series. Uh, and uh, I'm slightly excited to get into that. Uh, Zach and I also are trying to get that onto the calendar because uh we, we, we have enjoyed uh, a month of such f- fantastic support that it now requires that we watch an episode of a show that is legendarily not fantastic. Uh, <laughs> and Zach and David also do a show, uh, The Other Side of the Gate, where they talk about spoilery things, thematic things that are, uh, you know, it's important to kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the show uh, in its entirety in order to appreciate uh, it's spoilerific. I literally just copy and paste the words without reading them, and I post the audio file without listening to it. I have no idea what goes on there at all. Um, but if you want it uh, in on that as well, that's also on Patreon. And if you are saying to yourself that this sounds crummy, that you don't like it when shows do this uh, paywall stuff, I agree with you. And uh, eventually, all of our content makes it on the main feed. We just put it on the Patreon feed first. A uh, quick example, I don't recall exactly which episode we're going to drop. I think it's a Second Chances. Is it the movie? Are we going to drop the movie? Uh, I, I can't I think remember. So. I think that's the one. Um, so you'll be able to hear that on the main feed uh, pretty soon. If we already did the movie, then the one after that was... I don't remember. Oh, did, Bane. Bane? It was Bane. Bane? Maybe yeah. it's Bane that's dropping. <laughs> I'll double check. It'll, the, the one that is next will drop. I'm not going to drop Bane before it's time. 
Uh, if you're just really curious to know what I gave Bane upon a rewatch, yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta get into that Patreon. Ooh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Otherwise you just got to be patient. Uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's where you can go with that stuff. So Zach, uh, oh wait, no, before we move along and I pitch it over to Zach, uh, you know where to find us. You've been finding us when you have a friend who you think would love listening to our banter. You can recommend that they search in Apple podcasts or Spotify podcasts or Google podcasts or podcast aggregators walking through the Stargate. They will find us. Uh, and hopefully they'll like what we got going on too. Uh, but if they're a friend of yours, they're probably going to like what we got going on too. Let's Absolutely. Honest, right? Yeah, it's that that thing where like friends of your friends are usually people that you like being friends with too because that's how that works. But uh, Zach, yes, Brent. if somebody wants to uh, perhaps uh, introduce me to a different sociological theory that indicates that not necessarily friends of friends are not quite as friendly as you might think, and in fact. Due to these other studies, uh, it really looks kind of like the inverse is true. Uh, how might they reach out and hold it? Uh, hold, yeah, well, it, with all of that, if what mm-hmm. you need to do is get a hold of Brent, then you can do that <laughs> by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Uh-huh. You could also go to Twitter at Stargate Walking, or you can go to mm-hmm. Facebook. Well, if you want to talk to Brent, don't go to Facebook. It's not helpful. No. But no. you still can go to Facebook. we got the Walking Through Stargate Facebook page and the Facebook group. Lots of fun chatters happening over there. We also have our website, WTTS.Space. And yeah. brand spanking new mm-hmm. uh, from this last week, our good friend of the podcast, David, sort of our executive producer, the one who <laughs> yells at us on Friday to do the things to get ready for the podcast on a Saturday. <laughs> All yes. of us. He said we should have a star walking through the Stargate Discord yeah. page group. What link? What I don't know. What do we call that? Server. Server. A Discord server. A Discord server. Mm-hmm. Which sounds awful. But I'm awesome. sure it's great. It's it's great. It is great. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying the words, if you don't know the context, Discord oh, server dis- sounds uh, Discord awful. Discord server, right. Yeah, I, right, I, I right. can see that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, 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 it, it's it's wonderful. Check the Facebooks and the Twitters for the link. Uh, Brent is actually mm. on there. He's called Brent the Unsociable. Yes. And yes, ironically, true. the Unsociable is there more often than the than me. Yeah, that's that's because I like Discord. I have a, we got a Discord server for my D and D group, not mine, but like the D and D group that I'm a part of. Um, it's just a big old chat room, as everybody knows. Basically, if you don't know, then there you go. It's basically a chat room. Um, it's it's harkening back to the days of IRC. Um, the thing that I was you know articulating is that uh, I like chatting with people. I like conversing and having information share and learning about what's going on in people's lives. That's why I liked Facebook originally. And then they started being all like, you know what you want, Brent? And I'm like, what? More information from my good friends that I actually care about in life? And they're like, no, no, no. You want a cookie recipe. N- no, no, I really don't. And you want a hurtful meme? No, I definitely don't want that. Like, <laughs> quit it. So yeah, I'm on the discords way more often than I am on anything else. So if you actually want to get a hold of me, um, Discord's actually a great place to do it. All right. So Brent, yes, we have a new Patreon first podcast that we will be starting up here relatively soon mm-hmm. as we discuss and uh, explore Stargate Infinity. Mm-hmm. Now. When David and I talk about spoilery things or whatever, we call it the other side of the gate. Yes. When you and I watch an episode for a second time, we call it Stargate Second Chances. 
Mm-hmm. We do not currently have a title for the Stargate Infinity podcast stuff. Oh, yeah, we do. And don't. so, you dear listeners, A, huh. I, I don't, pr- I promise that if it's good, we'll use it. And if it's good, well, if it's good, we'll consider it. That's, yes. That, that, you know, I, but I am soliciting ideas and options that could be a title for uh for that and as a if if we select yours brent i'm this is right off the top of my cup cuff yeah right if we select your title you yeah. get five votes in our patreon thing whether hey. you're a patreon supporter or not hey that's a good idea that's there you a great go idea so um but i suppose then and you might have already been ready to pivot into this but going through the episode tallies might be helpful because if somebody suggests a name and we end up picking it and they are not a Patreon supporter, or even if they are and they just don't do it at the level where they get five votes, knowing which episodes are kind of on the cusp of getting 10 votes mm-hmm. might be good for them to know. Yes, it is. Well, um, that information can be provided uh, We'll figure a way to get that on the, the Discord without too much difficulty. There we go. On the discords. On the discords. <laughs> Y'all wow. thought that I hated that stuff. I was, it was just a ruse. I actually love the internet. <sighs> I couldn't even bring myself to finish the joke without getting depressed midway through. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> oh, the internet. Oh, boy. Oh. All right. Well, Brent. Yeah. With all of that, shall we dig into this episode, The Changeling? Yeah, let's get into this. All right. So, the director for The Changeling is Martin Wood. This is his sixth of seven directing credits this season. Mm-hmm. He did Redemption Part 1 and Part 2. He did Frozen, Abyss, The Other Guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's got this one, The Changeling, and he has one more. If I recall correctly, it's the finale, but I can't remember for sure on that without double-checking it. Gotcha. Okay. Now, the story for this episode is by Christopher Judge. Uh Uh-huh. And, in fact, he actually wrote the script for this episode, and then he put it into the hot little hands of Brad Wright, and Brad Mm -hmm. then uh, cleaned it up. Because one of the things that Christopher Judge did not do is split things up into acts and scenes and whatnot. He just... Yeah, okay. There it was. Um... But uh, one of the things that Christopher Judge really, really wanted to do with this is to just test to see if he could write a script. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, when somebody like Brad Wright, uh, this is actually something that Christopher talked about it uh, on the commentary, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, when Brad Wright gets these non-writers to come and write something, he kind of spoon-feeds them a little bit, and mm. Christopher's like, no, not gonna have that! And he sequestered himself into a room, and he wrote this whole script, and, and then he's like, here, now I've written it. And then, of course, Brad had to go in there and kind of clean it up a little bit here and there. But sure. this is Christopher's script. Um, nice. And uh, this is actually his second credit. He uh, wrote the story for The Warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will actually see his name pop up at least a couple more times in future seasons. Very good. So, uh, and I do want to mark that uh, Brad Wright did kind of clean up some of the, the teleplay on here. Uh, this is his third credit this season. He did Abyss, and he did Unnatural Selection. Mm-hmm. So he gets those big, weighty, thick ones that have yeah. significance to him. So, 
Uh, we have several guest actors in this episode. We have Tony Amendola as Braytac slash Bray. Mm-hmm. We have Carmen Argenziano as Jacob Carter. Mm-hmm. We have Musetta Vander, who plays Shauna. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? She played Shanak back in the day in that one episode when we first met Tanith and all of that stuff. Yep. Uh, we have Peter Williams returning as Apophis slash the Doctor who is Apophis. Yep. Mm-hmm. Doctor we have Apophis. Michael <laughs> Sh- <laughs> Doctor sorry. Apophis. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Doctor Apophis. <laughs> oh, sorry, carry on, carry on. That's all right. We have Michael Shanks who returns Yay. as Doctor Daniel Jackson, mm-hmm. and the Doctor in this situation is actually a Doctor of Psychology. Or psychiatry, I can't remember which one. Not a doctor of archaeology, but correct. Who's counting? Everybody. Who's counting? Me. I'm counting. One, there you go. two, three. Terrell oh. Rothery plays Jeff, the Dr. Janet Frazier in this episode. Yes. And I wrote that Gary Jones is uh, Walter Harriman in this episode, but now as I'm looking back, I don't remember if he actually shows up or not. Yeah, I happen to notice in the title card or the the credits at the end that that. Uh, Gary Jones's name flop that flashed up, you know, in the role of radio operator, and I, and you know, is 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 he still unnamed? I guess. Yes, technically, he is. He is. I mean, he's been given the name Walter, right? In that one episode, uh, two thousand ten, I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, and but other than that, he hasn't actually technically received Harriman yet. Got it. Uh, so I can't remember then, yeah, when that hits. I don't remember seeing him in the gate room. The embarkation room, um, but uh, I also when when I saw that the credit was for radio operator for a brief moment, I was like, "Oh, was he in the um, uh, firehouse, or was he might have been the dispatch voice?" And I just didn't recognize it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, um, uh, Dan Shea do- is yep. seen in the firehouse. Yep, along with Briefly. several other folks. We'll talk about yep. that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, the original air date for this episode was February 5 in UK and February 28th in the US. Mm-hmm. I think last week I got my lines mixed up and I said that last week's episode, um, Forsaken was the fifth in the UK. And I think that was actually a week earlier because I just messed up, but that's okay. That's fine. So, in any case, what was happening on the 28th of February or around there, uh, in the world? First mm-hmm. of all, number one in the charts. This is boring because it's the same. All I have by Jennifer Lopez featuring LL Cool J. Yep. And in the UK, K, it was still all the things she said by tattoo. Yep. So. Boring. Boring. We need a little bit of ergo here for that. Boring. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty good. But you know what is not boring? What's not boring? Not boring is watching movies, unless they are boring movies, and they are movies that made the top five in the box office this week, and I've only seen one or two of them. <laughs> Cradle to the Grave was number one in the box office on February 28th, 2003. I have never seen that movie. Nope. Old yeah. School was number two. I've also yeah. never seen that movie. Daredevil is number three, and while mm-hmm. I like the character of Daredevil, that movie was boring. Boring. Number four was How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, and I'm pretty sure I've not seen that movie. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I've seen that movie. I did not see that in the theater. I'm sure mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And number five is a movie I have seen, Chicago the mm-hmm. Musical. Which is actually really quite good. So that one's mm-hmm. not boring. Unless you really, really hate musicals, in which case you will be bored. 
But if you like musicals, you'll like that one, probably. I I don't know. Even if you don't like musicals, I'm not sure that you'd be bored with that one. Yeah, fair enough. You might not like it. Sure. In any case, what was happening on this date, or on this date, on the 27th of February, one Mm. day before this episode airs, former Bosnian Serb leader Biljana Plavsic. Plavsic. (laughs) Probably Plavsic, but that's okay. Plavsic. What? Hey, you know what? You say it the way you say it, and I'll say it the way I say it, and I'll be I wrong. I say Plavsic, you say Plavsic. You, I say Biljana, you say Biljana. Plavsic, Plavsic, Biljana, Biljana. Let's just keep reading the bullets. I'm trying, Brent. I'm trying. <laughs> in any case, uh, he was sentenced by the UN Tribunal in The Hague, uh, to 11 years in prison, because he was a uh-huh. bad boy. Yeah, bad good. boy. Also on the 27th, Rowan Williams uh, is enthroned as the 104th Archbishop of Canterbury. Ah. And okay. for those of you who are not aware, the Archbishop of Canterbury is sort of like the Pope of the Anglican Church, yep. of the Church of England. Um, he's got that kind of clout and, and power and such. It's uh, a big deal. And every time I hear the name Rowan, I think Rowan Atkinson, yep. Dean, and, yep. and I think him being an archbishop would be absolutely hilarious. Oh, uh, probably nice. not very fruitful, but hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I, I, I'm also uh, remembering some of the stand-up that I've seen of Rowan Atkinson. Uh, there's one in particular where uh, he... Uh, he portrays Satan. In oh, the yes. That Very is good. a good, good little yes. uh, clip there. Yep. Yep. I'm fairly certain you could go to uh, the YouTubes and find that if you want, and yep. it's worth it. it. It gives you a nice little good laugh there. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, also on the 27th, uh, Fred Rogers, uh, who from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, he mm-hmm. dies at the age of 74. Yep. 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 That was a big deal. That yes, was, was a big deal. Uh, on March 1st, management of the United States Customs Service and the United States Secret Service moves to the United States Department of Homeland Security. Homeland Security, yes. Uh, I believe Were they part of the State Department at that point in time before? Um, I think remember? so. Uh, and I think that the Secret Service was not part of the State Department at all. Um, it was just its own thing? Yeah, and I keep forgetting, and I only recently remembered that the Secret Service was initially founded to function uh, for the Treasury. That it was uh, it was originally charged not with protecting the president, but more with protecting the currency through the uh, uh, finding, dispos- disposing of, and prosecuting of people who created counterfeit bills. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. And all of that gets lumped under the Department of Homeland Security, and then we get a whole new cabinet position and and talk about uh, bloat in the federal government. It's for our own safety, Zach, don't you? Uh-huh. It's Mm -hmm. for the security of Mm -hmm. the homeland. In the name, it's right there on the tin. Uh uh, Yeah. uh, Well, so so here's the thing: is that the United States Customs Service existed, and the United Uh States Secret Service existed. Yeah. And what we added was... Homeland Security. Oh, yes. Okay, anyway. On March 1st, (laughs) 
World light heavyweight boxing champion Roy Jones Jr. wins a unanimous decision against champion John Ruiz to capture the WBA heavyweight crown in Las Vegas. Light heavyweight. Light heavyweight crown. I don't even know. Hooray! Good Hooray. job, Congratulations. Boy. All right. Let's get into some trivia for this episode. Yeah. One. Uh, the story, apparently, was partly inspired by a fireman show that Richard Dean Anderson was considering starting. Oh, neat. Um, so there you have it. Um, in his dreams, Teal'c is part of the Coquitlam Fire Department. Mm-hmm. Coquitlam is a suburb of Vancouver. Ah, okay. Um, however, um, in uh, the, the shots, the license plates for most of the equipment were actually Washington State License plates. Okay. So, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very good. Uh, just a little bit, of tw- bit, little bit there. Uh, okay. Christopher Judge's second wife appears as a nurse in this episode. Um, so, when he was... He'd just gone through the gate, and now he's walking through the, the hallway of yeah. the... The, the hospital, and then he sees yep. Apophis, and he's like, no, no! Yep. And then the nurse is like, are you okay? Yep. What are you doing? That's his second wife. Gotcha. At the time, okay. they, they were just dating at the time. Um, ah, but, um, and uh, according to my notes, that's in part because the divorce from his first wife hadn't like gone all the way through. So, yep. you Got know, it. you had to get through all that stuff done. Um, Teal tells Carter that he would prefer to not consume bovine lactose at any temperature. <laughs> um, however, <laughs> sorry, carry on. Yes. Do, do, do you do you like the the term bovine lactose? Yes, I, I, that yes, I, I did, that got a guffaw out of me. Um, however, uh, we do see that in Stargate episode, the episode earlier this season, unnatural selection. Mm-hmm. That uh, he seems to be very interested in bovine lactose of the frozen variety. Oh, the ice cream. Yes. Yeah, he 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 definitely liked that Ben and Jerry's. Maybe he it was did. the no, they didn't have the non dairy version back then. <laughs> no, yep. it was two thousand three. What anyway? Yeah, yeah, or two actually for that episode. Yes, I can't remember. Whenever. Oh yeah, it would have been two thousand two because we're early two thousand three here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. When Teal'c is a human, his false life is that of a fireman, and mm-hmm. with his SG-1 teammates, his fellow firefighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they each have the same names. Jack O'Neill is still Jack, uh, even if he's not a Colonel. Braytac mm-hmm. tr- is his stepfather now, uh, and he's referred to as Bray. you got Shawnock, who's now Shauna. Uh, you've got Teal'c's alternate name, T. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we never actually see uh, what T stands for, if anything else. However, mm-hmm. apparently, uh, when he is talking to Dr. Jackson, uh, if you can zoom in on the medical band around his wrist, it says mm. Tyler. Ah, okay. So, uh, there are also several cameos in this episode. Martin Wood is a fireman. Uh, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he's one of the firemen that you just see his torso as they are shifting from one uh transition to another you know they're moving Mm -hmm. doing a transition um christopher judge's girlfriend gianna Patton plays a nurse uh the boy in the front seat of the wrecked car is actually uh christopher's son oh 
Gotcha. And Amanda Tapping's husband, Alan Kovacs, Kovacs, mm-hmm. I don't what how Kovacs. you pronounce mm-hmm. Kovacs, uh, is the first fireman running down the pole oh, uh, nice. after the alarm goes off. So there you have it. I do have a yeah. couple of quotes here. Uh, this mm-hmm. first one is a little bit of a lengthy one from Michael Shanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like an alternate reality that replaces your subconscious. Forever in a Day, season three, for example, basically takes place in a blink of an eye when Sharae is destroying Daniel with her hand device. The entire story that Daniel goes through never happened, but it does happen in his mind. Something allows him to make peace with her death. Changeling is very similar to an episode titled Absolute Power in season four in that way. Teal'c makes a journey in a different form. We see him as a different person and how his life in the Stargate cross paths all the time. Mm-hmm. How he has to deal with that and what it means to th- at the end. Daniel in these lives acts as a type of spirit guide to direct Teal'c, pushing mm-hmm. him to a place where he can reconcile what the journey is about. Mm-hmm. I'm always fond of the, those episodes. They're demanding because you're constantly asking what's going on, and then you're hooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the sixth sense. You don't know what's real and what's not anymore. To me, that's a thinking man's drama, and I really appreciate the more emotional, intelligent episodes that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a quote from Michael Shanks in an interview with CyberX Online. Yeah. Um, and then we have a quote here from Joseph Malazzi. Mm-hmm. Actor Chris Judge tries his hand at writing with surprising, spectacular results. Mm-hmm. I say surprising because while I ha- had no doubt it would be a solid script, I was mighty impressed by how good it turned out. Mm-hmm. This despite the fact that he neglected to include act breaks in his first draft. <laughs> <laughs> just just one just one solid thing just wall to wall start, start to finish just just film and don't stop yes indeed now uh the uh the quote that christopher uh that the so malazzi is now quoting christopher in this i leave that up to you <laughs> from what i remember he says Chris really enjoyed the process and was quite proud of the final product. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, without uh, spoiling too much, I like this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode title in different languages. Uh-huh. Uh, let's start with the French. They okay. call this the Dream Gate. Uh, okay. Okay. You're letting a little bit too much out on that one, but that's All okay. Right. The Italians call this parallel lives. Okay, yeah. The Spanish call it substitution. Uh-huh. The yeah. Czech dual reality. Yeah, yeah, okay. And I'm not certain which is more spoilery. I think the, the Germans. So the Hungarians call this the conversion. Okay. And the Germans, Hilfe aus der Traumwelt. Help from the dream world. Yeah, you see, even that still gives too much away. I mm-hmm. think. I think this. I got to f- tell you though. Yeah, go ahead. The changeling, the title, the changeling. I I missed. I don't know where. I don't know what what, what where that came from. 
Like I, I have no idea what that's referencing. I get, it didn't make any sense, but it doesn't matter. We'll get into it. Yeah, uh, I will make one more little trivia note here. Um, Christopher Judge, as he was talking during the commentary, said one of the things that he wanted to do in writing this episode is uh, get rid of Junior. He actually did that mm. with an intention of getting rid of Junior, mm-hmm. and also because he was kind of hoping that if we got rid of Junior, maybe we could get rid of the gold makeup because he doesn't like the gold makeup. And I don't huh. blame him. If you get rid of... So is, am I supposed to believe that the makeup isn't makeup? That the makeup is just something physiological about Teal'c as a Jaffa? That is the theoretical idea. Um, and are we, are we talking about the tattoo on his forehead or the eyeshadow? No, 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 no. We're talking about like the, the, the gold oh, the, sheen to his the skin. gold sheen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and okay. without spoiling too much, um, I can't remember when it happens, but... In a future season of Stargate, uh, he does lose that gold sheen, and and Christopher Judge is very happy with that. Fine. I think it looks cool! Well, you know what? After ten seasons of this, I would want that done, too. (laughs) Look, can I just be me and not this other... No, you're an actor. (laughs) Um, Oh, and and, and here's another thing, is that uh, um, both... Uh, Car- um, Tony Amendola and Christopher Judge were playing uh, Teal'c and Braytac, and they were playing T and Bray, right? Yeah. And Martin Wood had to remind both of them when they were playing T and Bray that uh, no, 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 you're not playing Teal'c and Braytac. Right. So, so give me these slightly different character because, of course, T especially uh, has just a standard. Uh, American accent, right? He yep. doesn't have the inflection that Teal'c has. Right. Uh, that, that stoic... Right. He just talks normal. Um, and it was very easy for uh, Christopher Judge to fall into that affected voice of Teal'c. And Martin had to say, no, no. Don't yep. give me that. Give me the other Dial thing. It down. Nice. So, are you ready for the synopsis? Yeah, let's get into this. All right, here we go. In a hospital, we follow the movement of a doctor preparing for surgery. He walks through the halls. Others wander as well. As we pull up to the patient, it is Teal'c. Teal'c's eyes widen as, his, as he sees the face of the doctor. The doctor's eyes glow as none other than Apophis himself looks down, prepared for surgery. Ah! Suddenly, Teal'c wakes up. He has no tattoo, nor a symbiote pouch. He goes to the bathroom to wash the fright of a nightmare off his face. Jonas, the proby, checks in on him. Teal'c, that is T, is giving up a kidney for his stepfather, Bray. The surgery is a big deal, and despite his insistence that it's not a big deal, it is a big deal, and T is clearly worried about it. Suddenly, Teal'c wakes up from his Kelnorim. And he visits the mess hall because he couldn't Kelnareem like he normally does. And he talks with Samantha. She suggests he tries a glass of warm milk. He says he doesn't want to drink bovine lactose of any temperature. As they talk, the camera shifts and Teal'c is no longer in the mess hall, but in a fire station preparing for breakfast. Talking with O'Neill and Carter about the kidney transplant. As they discuss this kidney donation, the alarm rings, and the firefighters all rush off to respond to the call, and the trucks zoom out of the the house and go to where they need to go. 
It's a car crash. That's where they need to go. Several people are hurt, and one of the cars is leaking gasoline. Suffice it to say, this is a bad situation. T and some others approach one of the men lying face down on the concrete. Carefully, they flip him over, and T, T is stunned when he sees the face of Apophis looking up at him. Blinking, T looks again and sees not Apophis, but simply the victim of a car crash. The other car is leaking gasoline, and there's a kid in the front seat along with the driver. The, they tear open the passenger seat to get the kid out, but the driver is unresponsive. The leaking gas is making things even more dangerous. O'Neill orders everyone to back away, back away. But Tilk looks again at the man in the driver's seat. It is Bray reaching out to him. Actually, it's Bray Tack reaching out to, for help. T runs to him, trying desperately to tear open the door. Save yourself, cries Bray Tack. There's an explosion, and T is thrown from the vehicle. Back at the SGC, Tilk collapses to the floor, fainting. In the infirmary, Dr. Fraser examines the Jaffa. Jaffa don't normally faint, and so this is unusual behavior. But he seems in good shape, and she can't find a specific cause for why he collapsed. Despite his desire, however, to get on with things, Fraser insists that he lies back down and rests. From the bed, he looks up, but it's not in the SGC. He's in a hospital bed, recovering after being thrown from the fire. O'Neill, the fire chief, and Shauna, his wife, bring Bray down to visit T. Bray chastises his stepson for his foolish behavior at the fire. There is bravery and there's foolishness. You were stupid. I can't remember if it was stupid or whatever. You get an idea. He also notices that something is wrong. T was thrown from an explosion and yet he has no burns, no bruises, only a slight headache. This is not normal. Teal'c is again in the SGC. O'Neill and Fraser are there. Teal'c tells them of his visions, and they think of them only as dreams. Well, you know, you weren't able to kill Nareem, so now you're dreaming. Eh, it's okay. Whatever. Go back to sleep. Back in the hospital, the curtain opens, and in walks Dr. Daniel Jackson, the resident psychologist. The two talk about all that's going on as they walk around the hospital campus. T is the best match for a kidney transfer for Bray. Without his sacrifice, Bray will certainly die. But it's also giving up a part of himself which weighs heavily on T. And despite all T insists, he uh, despite it all, T insists he's not afraid. Spoiler, he is afraid. Daniel leaves, and Tilk finds himself back at the SGC. SG1 is about to go through the gate on a mission. Tilk is running a little late, and the rest of them are waiting for him on the ramp. As he crosses the event horizon, suddenly he's back in the hospital. Eerily, he wanders through the corridors until he is confronted by Apophis. You are afraid to die because you know you will see me in the afterlife, the god says. No! cries Tilk, but a nurse calls out to him and asks if he's lost. Confused, uh, T exits the room. But his visions of Apophis aren't over. He sees him again and attempts to get away from the Guawuld system lord. Opening a door, Tilk walks back into the gate room. SG-1 is about to head through a, the gate on a mission. Suddenly, Tilk collapses on the full floor, crying out, My symbiote is gone! My symbiote is gone! Everyone rushes to Tilk's side. We shift again. It's a battlefield. Dead Jaffa are everywhere. There appear to be 
two survivors. Teal'c reaches over and pulls the symbiote out of Braytek's pouch and puts it in his own. Neither man looks good. T wakes up at home with his wife, Shauna. The kidney transplant is finished and T is at home recovering from surgery. T confesses to her his dreams. When he's there, this is the dream. But when he's here, this feels real and that appears to be the dream. The existential dread threatens to overwhelm him. Shauna tries to remain present with him and calm him down. The next day, T visits Bray. Unfortunately, the news is not good. Bray is rejecting the kidney transplant despite everything else being ideal. T is shocked and tells his dear friend to hold on and keep fighting. He didn't go through all this whole process for nothing. T meets up with Daniel again. They talk about the dreams, about which reality is which. The doctor suggests that perhaps the reason T can't determine which is real and which is a dream is that they are both dreams. As he walks off, he turns and tells Teal'c to hold on. His ordeal is almost over, over, and that he has never left his side. Someone approaches Teal'c. It is Colonel O'Neill, and they are in the gate room. Teal'c is badly wounded. Dr. Fraser is trying to figure out how long he's been without his symbiote. Suffice it to say, Teal'c's answers aren't especially helpful right now. Teal'c and Braytac are taken immediately to the operating room. The rest of SG-1 fills the general in. The supposed rebel Jaffa meeting was really an ambush. Everyone was killed with the exception of Braytac and Teal'c. And for three days, Teal'c managed to keep himself and Braytac alive by moving his symbiote back and forth between the two of them. Dr. Fraser reveals that all three patients are doing poorly. The symbiote is dying. The stress of trying to heal two people is just too much for him. And so, too, with Teal'c and Braytac. They contact the Tok'ra, and Jacob is coming. Hopefully, he can help. When he arrives, he has an option. Tritonin. Yes, it's derived from ground-up Gua'uld, but it's more refined than that. It's better than that. And this particular version has been engineered specifically for Jaffa physiology. It's not a perfect solution. But it will work for now as they continue to seek out a way for the Jaffa to be free of the Gua'uld dependence. When Teal'c wakes up later, Daniel appears at his side. They talk about what has happened. Teal'c thanks him, but Daniel says it's all because of his strength and explains that the dreams were Teal'c's mind's way of coping until he could be rescued. Daniel promises that this reality is the real one and that Teal'c will be fine. The ascended friend departs, leaving the Jaffa alone in the infirmary to recover. The end. The end. And so, my dear friend Brent. Yeah. This episode, The Changeling. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Wow, man. Holy moly. This one was really, really good. Now, there was a part of it that I... That wasn't flawless, and that was that I kind of was picking up that both both realities were not the reality just before it was suggested, and uh, but that's like two thirds of the way through the episode, maybe even more. And up until then, I had no idea what was going on in the good way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really engaged and really curious as to what was happening, and. 
it it was a really good story in that regard of keeping me engaged, trying to figure out what's going on, while also exploring uh, this emotional journey uh, for one of our characters. Although it was a little unclear if this was an emotional journey for one of our characters quite to the degree that it turned out to be, because T had aspects of Teal'c, but was his own person. And Teal'c was profoundly bothered by something where he was shifting like in and out of, I hesitate to call it reality, but that's kind of how I, I was interpreting it. To the point of, uh, though, you know, during the episode it was obviously supposed to be about Teal'c, duh, and as it turns out, it was about Teal'c, duh. Um, there was an interpretation that I was kind of wrestling with as we were watching it, like, maybe this is, doesn't have anything to do with Teal'c at all. Um that that we're watching a story about T and Teal'c, but it's actually something else that's happening here, and we're, and then I'm gonna figure this. You know, it's gonna be revealed to me at the end. Mm-hmm. Well, it it it. Uh, so I was kind of uh, you know firing on all those cylinders as far as the enjoyment of the show is concerned, and I did my normal thing like I do, which is I watched it this morning, and you know I. I did not feel all that great first thing this morning, and yet I was still sitting here just watching this show just enraptured, uh, really interested and engaged with what's going to be happening next. And I really did like how much care and effort they put into casting uh, and bringing back all of these characters in familiar or unfamiliar ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as it happens... Um, I, I, I think I've mentioned a few times that I always find it hilarious that in our te- – technically, we have a YouTube channel, technically, and that's where – Zach, that's where you upload the uh, promos that David will make. Right. And it, it, some of those things have thousands of views. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just stunning. So so I think a couple of days ago I was just kind of flipping through like, man, how many like which one has the most? And it was the season four episode. Uh, I don't recall the title off the top of my head, but it's the one where we see um, sh- what's her name? Shawnock? Shawnock, Yeah, sh- Shawnock. It's that one. And so Ooh. I was like, oh, my gosh, that was that was because I had recognized her face in the trailer from last week, but I couldn't remember who she was. And mm-hmm. then I just happened to come across the exact right trailer um, with, when her character was introduced. And I was like, oh, that's who it is. <laughs> so so I was able to follow <laughs> along really easily when uh, when she showed up. And and it it, it was it was just it, I, it worked, man. And then, like, you know, the familiar faces around the firehouse. I liked um, I liked how our. Uh, our main cast was definitely a part of the story, for sure. But this was really a story about Teal'c and then Teal'c and Daniel. And uh, Teal'c and Teal'c and Braytac. And the Teal'c and Braytac part was, I think, a little more linear than the Teal'c and Daniel part. And certainly more linear than the story about Teal'c himself. Um, that... The Teal'c and Braytac story was fleshed out a bit more. Teal'c really, really, really cares for Braytac. He would go to extreme lengths to help his friend stay alive, um, and uh, and that was that was shown here. Even though Braytac was, and I think I, I'm interpreting that 
all of the conversations that were happening amongst the um, key people were versions of a real conversation that was transpiring. And I'm choosing to interpret the Braytac Tilk conversation as happening through Junior, basically. So Junior's mm. in Braytac. Braytac is unconsciously being like, what are you doing? And then Junior goes into Tilk and Tilk falls unconscious and Junior's like, hey, Braytac's wondering what the heck you're doing. <laughs> and, and, and back and forth it goes. And, you know, and, it, and it's manifesting itself in this kind of wonky dreamlike way that this sort of this, this conversation is going. So then that brings me into sort of the mechanics of the show itself. And that Christopher Judge wrote it is it's great. It's really, really, really good. And I got a feeling that Brad Wright really tuned this thing up because those transitions were just so good. They were really good. And, you know, like it was, it was, um, I was about to say obvious as if it was a bad thing. I know. I mean, it was obvious in a great way. The pan, the lighting, the way that he, that Teal'c was looking one way or the other or whatever. And then you notice the detail of, oh, his tattoo is not here, and therefore we are now in the the fire world. I don't know <laughs> the fire, fire and rescue world. Um, Rocky you know, Mountain oh, his fire and back. rescue. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we're back and forth, back and forth, and and those transitions were just so good. They were really, 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 really good, and it made that that end part where. Daniel says, maybe they're both a dream. Like, it clicked. It really did click. And as I mentioned, I was kind of aiming that way before he said it. And I think they let the cat out of the bag a little bit with that scene two-thirds in where we see all those dead Jaffa and we see uh, the tie-in where uh, Teal'c is putting Junior back into his pouch and saying, help me, help me, in the same way that he had just been saying, help me, help me, at the gate room just before, I think is where it was. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't. But but point is, is that that's where that point, that's where that scene was inserted with that same dialogue so that I had that connection right then. I think that you could have done that reveal later in the episode and it would have worked just as fine and it would have uh, made Daniel Jackson's supposition of maybe be, both of these things are a dream a little bit more weighty um, because I was forced to reconcile that scene with all the dead Jaffa kind of out of nowhere and therefore I was forced to say, Oh, this is outside of these two realities. And therefore, based on how I know how stories go, this one must be more true than the other two. Um, Teal'c is struggling to understand which one is real in these two. He's not struggling to understand what's real in that one. He's just delirious and there's a whole lot of dead Jaffa around him and he's putting a, he's putting a, he's putting Junior back and forth. Like That then told me, oh, these two aren't real. So that when Daniel finally said that line, I'm like, yeah, yeah, these aren't real. It was still good. And there was still, it was still so well done. And then the notion of uh, Daniel Jackson as this guardian angel for Teal'c, as well as for Jack earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think that this has a lot of, I think there's a strong case to say that those two episodes, I can't remember the title of the one where Jack's in the prison. Abyss. Um, Abyss. And this one are like two sides of a coin. Um, because these are sing these are trials endured by singular members of SG one, and it is Daniel Jackson the Ascended who comes and gives them comfort long enough to keep them engaged so that they can stay there until help arrives, and then they're fine. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and 
and and and yeah so now now pivoting away from the technical and back into the story but into the meta story um man i loved how the tritonin came back like that's our and 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 yeah i'm this one is a, this is viable for me the the notion of let's change a fundamental of sg1 of the stargate universe basically let's ch- change a fundamental of the stargate universe and let's have teal'c a jaffa no longer needing um a symbiote and yeah we still have this aspect of the tritonin quote cure unquote which kind of functions the same as a symbiote you know until we figure out how to get teal'c off of this stuff permanently he's going to need to stay on it permanently um, hence the need for the gold paint, Christopher Judge. Just gonna have to endure a little longer. Um, <laughs> and like, but but mechanically, from a meta story point of view, that works great. Now, um, I am interested to see what this sets up. It feels like it is setting up some kind of a power shift moment where Jaffa are. But I thought we kind of brought that up before. Okay, I'll, I'll finish the sentence. It brings up a power shift moment where Jafar are no longer reliant on the symbiotes, exactly as was said in this episode. Uh, yes, they would be reliant on Tritonin thereafter. F- yes, not good, all things considered. This reminded me of the Dominion Wars. But um, I thought that was brought up explicitly before, Zach. Was that not brought up explicitly? Oh, uh, That the Jaffa could use Tritonin to no longer have symbiotes? Um... I, well, the only time we've heard Tritonin talk about things was, was during yeah. the episode Cure. Yeah. Um, and So I guess not. I don't think so. Um, you know, certainly they have had conversations in the past about how do we, uh, how can the Jaffa sever the, the line of dependence on the Gua Wuld? Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically how to do that, I don't think they've ever actually talked about that. Um, until here we say, well, right. we've got this. And I presume that Junior is done for, um, maybe not. Maybe he's going to stay with Braytac now. Um, no, they, they say that Junior is dead, dying, and they can't do anything yeah, about it. Yeah, dying, but the, all three of them were dying, and then Plot Armor saved Teal'c, and presumably Braytac as well. Uh, but did Plot Armor save Junior? So don't worry about answering that necessarily. It's a little unclear. It sounds like Junior is no longer going to be around. But that also means that Braytac is going to be on the Tritonin as well. Indeed. So I guess uh, I will. I w- this is not a spoiler of of issues. Um, okay. You know, uh, Junior is dead. Junior has Junior's died. Dead. We don't have Junior anymore. Oh, and both Braytac gotcha. and Teal'c are now on Tritonin. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So yeah, that's kind of a big deal. And it happened in this episode, which was written by one of the cast members and did a really good job with it. And it is a very Teal'c central episode. I'm I'm really happy that there is a major story point that does not involve Teal'c as the strong man. Um, let me say that slightly differently. Um, Teal'c has been very instrumental to a lot of the narrative of this of this show. Obviously. Mm-hmm. However, his responsibilities within the meta story have been to provide intelligence and to provide um, strength and valor. And he provides a lot of other things, too. But when the meta story is moving along, it's because Teal'c knows something or Teal'c 
does something consistent with the character type of the the strong beefy um and smart and clever and knowledgeable you know like there's there's a lot of positive attributes but it is his warrior self that typically is moving the story forward sure um and in this episode it is not his warrior self it I guess one could make a tangential argument that it, it it indeed is his warrior self because it is brought about because he and Braytac engaged in something that resulted in a battle, one that went very poorly. But this episode is about resolve, and this episode is about uh, what what does it take to keep Teal'c in uh, holding it together long enough, and and as he is. Um, as he's losing it, uh, what is it that comes to his mind? What are the things that actually make him most afraid? And I think I heard the answer of he is deeply afraid of losing Braytac, which is interesting to me. And he is deeply afraid of dying himself, though he would rather die than lose Braytac. And uh, the reason why he is afraid of death is because he still has doubt that Apophis is not a god. And that's interesting to me as well. Now, his resolve carries him through, and the help of the Ascendant, uh, 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 I was about to say the Ascendant Michael Shanks, no, the Ascendant Daniel <laughs> Jackson, <laughs> um, was the uh, the morale booster that was needed to kind of get him over the edge there, and that was lovely. I very much liked that. It's always good to see Daniel Jackson again. Um but this was really, this was a really engaging episode and a really, really good story. And it was very well acted and it was extremely well directed and it was very well shot and well lit and it was extraordinarily well paced. And there was one little blippy in the middle where I was like, oh, wait, they're actually dying on a battlefield. Oh, we're back to the dream. Um, but other than that, man, it was, it was, it ran uh, straight as an arrow and it was delightful. I really enjoyed this one. So what about you, Zach? What do you think about this? So. I love this episode. It's a great episode. It's mm -hmm. um, one of the best episodes of the season, easily. Mm -hmm. um, possibly the best. I think probably this one and Abyss are probably the two best episodes of the season. Mm -hmm. um, certainly the best of the episode of the season so far. This so far, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, what you said about the the parallel between those episodes. Um, I thought about that, but I hadn't really thought about that. Is that it's basically the same story, right? Mm -hmm. One of our heroes gets into trouble and needs to hold on, needs to yep. survive, and Jackson comes and gives them the support they need to hold on until rescue comes in yeah. different forms. Uh, and yet, despite that being the exact same, they're such radically different stories, mm -hmm. and you don't even feel like they're the same thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, at least I didn't. No, no, no. I agree. I did not think of that connection until I was thinking about that connection. Right. Um, this episode hooks me from the get-go. When you get that first scene, which is a Steadicam shot that goes through the entire hospital. Yeah. Around. Uh, and it doesn't cut at all nope. until finally it's looking down at Teal'c. And then it cuts to look up and sees the face of the doctor. Yeah. And this Dr. Apophis, uh, <laughs> Dr. Apophis um, you know, and, and, you know, these long shots. Then the next scene is, is uh, T and Jonas in the firehouse 
talking oh, yeah. around mm-hmm. the mirror and such. And that also is one clip, right? There aren't yes. any cuts there. And stick a pin in that scene in particular about the mirror, but carry on. Um, and, and I thought that the, the mirror shot of, of basically, um, you know, you had the two reflected in the mirror almost exclusively until um, you know, later on the, the camera pulls back a little bit and you see T turn around. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I think this is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the shots of the fire department and the firehouse and, and just these broad, long shots. Um, and, you know, there's that... I mean, it's a simple line, right? They're they're in the fire truck and they're driving off. And T says to Jonas, "Are you ready for this, Proby?" And he's like, "I sure am." And then mm-hmm. Carter, who's in the front seat, turns back and says, "Yes, you are." And yeah. I'm like, "I'm getting emotional here." Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, "Wow, you know, I mean, there there's nothing inspired about those words in and of themselves." But the way it was written and shot and and cut and and put together, um, I was just like, dang. Yep. Uh, You know, it's just, uh, and, you know, just, and the transitions. Uh, Martin Wood was the author of most of those transitions Mm -hmm. as the director. There were a few of them that were written specifically by Brad Wright in the script, uh, but most of them were... uh, Martin Wood, and most of them were physical yeah. uh, transitions. Yeah, they weren't digital transitions. No. Um, you know, things like uh, I'm going to follow Teal'c through the the hallway, and he gets to a door, and then he's going to look back, and he's going to we're going to cut the camera and look at uh, Apophis, and then we're going to cut back to Teal'c around by that same door, and he's going to open that door, and where is he? He's in the SGC. Yeah. Well, how do you do that? Well, you literally wheel that door right in front of that, and yep. you open it up. He walks through. You have a nurse walk by the camera, and it sells it perfectly. Yes. And it looks like a digital effect, and it's not. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the, the, it, from, for, to my eye, it was absolutely, I could see it was practical all the way, and it was just so well done. There was one mm-hmm. scene in particular. I think it was Janet Frazier's arm was uh, in frame, and it happened to be just above Teal'c's eyes. And mm-hmm. then her arm goes away, and now the scene has shifted over into the hospital uh, with the fire and rescue scene because he doesn't have his tattoo anymore. But right. like it was a really uh, just well thought out way to frame that shot to sell that transition from the SGC to the hospital in British, Washington, wherever they were, Washington, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then another great one for me is is uh, the the curtain, right? They close the curtain, and all of a sudden it opens immediately, and it's Jackson. And I think yeah. this is the big reveal of Dr. Jackson. Yep. Uh, and there there had to be some sort of digital connection or, or blending of those two because it w- had to have been a different uh well maybe it was i can't remember but it was a great scene it was just 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 brilliant yeah and, and in that case i mean you can get away with uh, i blew my daughter's mind the other day month um by doing a whip cut um 
and I notice whip cuts in, uh, you know, like YouTube videos that are meant to be like all like scary and supernatural. Like you're looking at one thing and then you look over at another thing and then you whip back. And then the first thing, you know, it's, it's like a second and a half, but the first thing is now in a completely different orientation or something. And it's just like, what? Well, it's a whip cut. And what it is, is that you're moving the camera quickly against like usually like a wall or something. And then you're able to then you know, so you, you you end one scene with the camera moving quickly next to the wall. You start the next scene with the camera moving quickly against the wall. You keep the lighting as the similar as possible. And then when you're editing it, you put those two whips together and it looks like one seamless transition. But in fact, mm-hmm. these are two completely different shots. So it might have been that they did a whip cut with the curtain where, you know, the curtain's moving. And in one scene, the curtain is moving. Uh to this position and the next in the next scene the curtain like maybe starts in that position or is moving away or something and they do the whip cut with the curtain so that it'll just boom just looks like it's done in in a fraction of a second right one of the uh oh another great transition and this did have some digital uh some cleanup in post is the transition from uh the mess hall to the firehouse right where you see uh, Carter here and it turns to Teal and then the camera just shifts, 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 shifts and then you see Carter again. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so so there there was some yep. most of that was practical uh, but you, you had to do some set dressing in that which was just a tremendous little uh, yes. transition. I thought that Martin Wood uh, did a phenomenal job with the transitions of this uh, even things as simple as, well, I couldn't figure out how to do anything with fire when Teal'c was blown off that way, and so we just have a standard cut to him falling on the floor. Sure. Even that just works for me. I recognize that he was like, ah, I wish I could have done something better, but I didn't know what to do, and so we didn't do anything. I get that, uh, but at the same time, just the the explosion and the throwing and the falling and the landing... Um, the, the chaos of that um, works well for me. We, I think that those particular scenes just kept working, I think, because we needed that fire and rescue reality to be the dream state, right? We've watched many seasons where Teal Kosa Jaffa and a part of SG-1 going on grand adventures around the universe, the galaxy, and, and the universe, right? Because the... Asgard are in a different galaxy. Um, yeah. Uh, and therefore, the fire and rescue reality can't be the real one, meaning things can be a little bit unbelievable in that reality, and it'll actually make us feel a tad better, right? Like, yeah. Teal gets blown away, and it doesn't quite look exactly right, but that's okay, because this can't be the real one. Because if this is the real one and the other one's a fake one, oh boy, our, our existential crisis is about to hit a, an 11, right? We need... Yeah fire and rescue one to be the fake one so we're we're willing to look right over the top of weird things that don't seem to make sense in the fire and rescue reality because we want it to be the dream state mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so now that the, the technical aspect of this episode is just phenomenal mm-hmm. um it is darn close to flawless um i i don't have a problem with that scene in the middle um, mm, mm-hmm, when, mm-hmm. when when we get to Teal'c and Braytech, I don't know where else you'd put that, frankly. I don't think you can put that later and have it make sense. Um, also, also because here, here's what's happening in 
the dream world is that that moment is the moment of the the kidney surgery. And we see that because when he oh, wakes yeah. up in the yeah. bed, yeah. the camera, which is also another great scene that's just this long, uncut scene, uh, tremendous scene when he's talking to Shauna about what's real and what's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has a quick pan to his side, and you see the stitches in his side and all that stuff. Um, but we needed, of course, the, the, the fire and rescue is going to be uh, the dream world. Uh, and the question becomes... What else is the dream? What is or isn't? Um, and then for me, not this time because I've seen it a thousand times, but the first time I watched this episode, I remember getting to that spot in the middle when we see Braytech and Teal'c and moving of the, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what the heck is going on? It just took me and spun me around uh, for a loop and, and I had to keep going in a new direction, try to just wait, hold on, because we had to figure things out. Yeah. Um, you know, so the end is a little bit rushed, I think. Um, we, get, we get to... Yeah, I agree. You know, w- once, we, once we get back to the SGC and we're in reality, uh, all of that is a little bit fast, but still you get another one of those great, great steady cams as you got Fraser and uh, Hammond walking up the spiral steps. So imagine that. The guy who's running the Steadicam, which is like a 75-pound 70, piece of equipment, yeah. right? Yep. He is walking up backwards a yep. spiral staircase yeah. holding on to a perfectly steady shot yep. of the other actors as they walk up those stairs. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. It's, a, it's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I will could gush over all of that technical stuff. I want to get to the story a little bit. Sure. Um, what's actually happening? So what we learn eventually is that Teal'c goes to this uh, summit of Rebel Jaffa, and it turns out that it's an ambush. And I don't think we hear specifically who it was that ambushed them. Probably Anubis, but we don't know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kills everybody and destroys their ghouled symbiotes with the exception of Teal'c himself. He's the mm-hmm. only one that seems to survive. We don't know why exactly or how, but he's Teal'c. So we go with it. Yep. And so now he is trying to keep his best friend, his his anchor, his foundation, Braytac, mm-hmm. alive. And he's doing this by moving the symbiote back and forth, back and forth. And we know that what this does from previous episode is causes a lot of fever dreams. If we go all the way back to season one, when they were trying to test if they could get rid of Junior in that season, uh, this is the episode when we first meet uh, Ryak, we see that he has delusions of the of, of what he imagines his son is going through, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he calls out Ryak, and then, of course, they put it back, and he's okay. And that was after only a couple of hours, by the way. So, right. who, holy smokes. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we have the the scene, the episode when when Braytek, not Braytek, uh, Teal'c is going through the the rite of Malsharan, and and Braytek pulls the symbiote, and he's there for a long period of time, maybe twenty four hours. We don't know for sure, um, but it's a long time, and he nearly dies, and then he he realizes that uh, he his life flashes before his eyes, and and he realizes that he is actually a free Jaffa and all that stuff. So we've seen all of these in the past. Mm-hmm. And so when he's going through this process, it is natural 
that he would blend the the reality of his friends and situation into a world of uncertainty. Uh, and that's exactly what we get. We get this this mix of the fire and rescue and uh, life in the SGC, but neither of them are real. And both seem just a smidge off. Mm-hmm. Um, but but also both seem plausible, right? If we didn't have six seasons of Stargate SG-1 under our belt and we ran into this episode, we could legitimately assume that T and Bray and Shauna and O'Neill and, and Proby, and that was the reality and that was the real show and something else was going on. Mm-hmm. We, could, we could assume that. And so you just the the way that Judge wrote this to to blend these two things and to tell the story, um, and that the you know the concern with the stress it's not a big deal but it is a big deal um, with the kidney transplant um, and going back and forth uh, it it is delightful and it's just inspired writing mm-hmm. uh, and it's inspired storytelling because it fits. And all of the characters are exactly who you would expect them to be, except they're different. Yep. Um, and you get that little blip there about Teal'c being still afraid to die because he's, you know, he's certain that, that Apophis is not a god, but is he certain that Apophis is not a god? Right. I mean, that is uh, a, a tremendous little nugget there of who mm-hmm. Teal'c is and is exactly what you would expect him to wrestle with mm-hmm. in the midst of this existential process of trying to save his friend and keep himself alive and all of that stuff. Um, uh, it's, it's great. Yeah. It, it, is, it is a delightful episode. Um, the only thing that I remember talking about and I still think about, it's like... Um, Tertonin. We still, they kind of wash over this. We learned that Tertonin is crushed up Gould in Cure. Yeah. And here we get that comment. Isn't that just crushed up Gould? Well, yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. It's more refined. Okay, fine. But if it's, I mean, unless they find a synthetic version of Gould for Tertonin, which is possible. Mm-hmm. We have Guawuld available to make Tritonin. What is stopping them from being Guawuld that we could implant in Teal'c? Right. Yes. No, I'm willing to go ahead and... It might prove differently as the story continues. I'm willing to believe that, uh, you know, when, uh, when, when Jacob hand waves over it and goes, it's a little bit more complicated. I'm willing to believe that it's actually not ground up Guawuld. You know, yeah, it... It is, but it isn't. Yeah, it, it it was, but we've found a way to like duplicate it or whatever. You know, like I I don't know what the technological um death or uh, explanation is going to be. Uh, maybe not. Maybe maybe it's literally just yeah. No, we 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 <laughs> we picked up one of these Gould farms that we saw that you shot a bunch of holes in in season two, and um, <laughs> uh, you know we keep them around uh, because you know we kind of don't like to feel them squirming around in our bellies anymore. So uh, yeah, we just kind of put them in the blender. <laughs> and uh, out comes this blue stuff. It's pretty great. We should try it. Um, I, so, you know, but to your question of, well, if you've got a Gould to make the Tritonin, then you have a Gould for for uh, Teal'c, right? I guess there's also a quick 
explanation that not necessarily because uh, they might have a bunch of mature gold, maybe, yeah. <laughs> that get thrown in the blender, but they don't have any symbi- or they don't have any um, larva. Thank you. Uh, and that that distinction matters. But um, but I'm willing to uh, go along for the ride and say, yeah, yeah OK, uh, you're right. There's probably a little bit of a plot hole on that one. But I got a feeling it's going to open up a different lane of storytelling that I'm willing to just kind of like look over the plot hole real quick and be like, uh, you'll fill that in later. Right. I trust you. OK, let's move along. Whether they do or not is another matter. Sure. And that's ultimately where I stand. But I also felt I needed to make mention of this plot hole that I noticed. Sure. Um, so there it is. Um, you said you had a pin on the mirror scene. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the I liked I didn't realize that I liked it until I was thinking about it. But um, I, and I kind of made the point when I was talking about how we needed the fire and rescue reality to be the dream one. Because otherwise, this whole show has just been a lie the whole time. So, mm-hmm. you know, we were willing to accept goofy things in the fire and rescue reality. Um, but they telegraphed uh, that this this was the looking glass uh, in that scene. Uh, Teal'c wakes up and he goes over to the bathroom. And he's washing his face and he has an entire conversation with the alternate Jonas through the mirror. And... Uh, that's that's a trope, and it's a device, and it's uh, and it was a great use of that trope, where, um, you know, he has the entire conversation through that mirror, and we see, uh, the emotionally distraught T, talking, um, we see the honest Tilk and his emotions in that moment, and they are convoluted and he doesn't really want to share them too much partly because he doesn't think that Jonas needs to be burdened with it um and and he sells uh he sells that he's okay when he turns around uh and gives a smile and that smile fades almost as soon as Jonas walks away um right like mm-hmm. that that looking glass moment was a moment that was that was screaming at us through visual storytelling that um, you know, this is the important part. This is an emotional core to Teal'c, but it isn't Teal'c. Uh, this is the fake one. We're through the looking glass. Here we go. Um, so I want to broaden that mm-hmm. um, and say that this is in fact Teal'c, but it's Teal'c without his shields in place. We get. I mean, yeah. This, this, this is, is an episode for sure. And of course, this whole episode is the Looking Glass episode, right? Yes. We have the one little snippet that's what ten seconds long uh, when they're at the 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 battlefield, mm-hmm. and then you've got what three four minutes tops at the very end. Yes. That's yeah, the rest of it's that's reality. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else is through that Looking Glass. Um, and and that you know I hadn't thought about this explicitly, but as you talk about this, that that's the whole thing is the looking glass, and this is what they're saying is like this is an episode that we're going to see the 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 heart of Teal'c. Yep, we're going to see the the emotional core of Teal'c, his his frailties, which he always or almost always covers up with a smile. 
Yep. Well, only it's a smile for T, but it's just that <laughs> that, that stern face for yes. for Teal, right? Um, and uh, and you know, that's what this episode is. Um, so I don't think it, it's. Uh, I, I wouldn't see it as as seeing something other than Teal. Um, but we're seeing a raw side of Teal in this whole thing that we aren't normally used to seeing, but it is still truly there. Yeah, this was good. This was a really uh, good one. All right. So, Brent. Mm-hmm. The Changeling. Yeah. How many chevrons does it get? It's got a great story from a writer that has only done it a couple of times. And yeah, it was tuned up by Brad Wright, that's for sure. So it was tuned up by a writer that really could get it nice and humming. And it was directed really, really, really well. And it was so smooth. Yeah, even the end, which was a little hurried, didn't feel bad because, you know, the end was just to kind of get it buttoned up so that it was an episode of something so that we can keep moving on. It wasn't really, I didn't, I felt like it was tying off the, uh, I guess it's a bad example, but whatever. I felt like it was tying off the sutures as in like, no, the real work was the stitching. And we got to watch that in detail. And of course, this is the end and you can wrap it up. Um, but, you know, th- it, that, that's not to fault it. Uh, writing was good. Acting was good. It was shot so well. It was paced so well. It moved the story along in an interesting way at the end for sure. But it was so much more about the inside and the emotional conflict of one of our characters. And it was all so believable all the way through. And the variations of the characters, I was right there. with Not one moment felt like it was out of place, even though it all felt out of place. It was just delightful to watch. It was so much fun. Um, I'm going to give this one a seven out of seven. Uh, I don't um, I don't know if I should consider giving it an eight. I mean, it's possible. I'm just going to stick with that seven, but man, this was great, man. This was great. If, if, uh, I, I doubt that I, I think that the Tritonin thing is going to be impactful and no more junior is going to be impactful, but it doesn't quite land in the same way that sometimes some like episode ending reveals just kind of shatter everything and you know how it shatters everything. And those are delightful, and I didn't mm-hmm. quite feel like that. But boy, was this just super good, right on down the line. Seven for me. So, what about you? All right. So, um, I, you know, after I watched this episode yesterday, uh, I immediately began pondering what I was going to talk about and what kind of ratings I was going to give it. Um, and you know, as as we've talked about this, this is solidified in my head. Um, I'm actually going to give this that eighth chevron. Nice. Okay. Um, because uh, this this is uh, darn close to flawless television. Yeah. Uh, it is tremendous writing. It is tremendous acting. The directing is superb. The editing of the episode is spot on mm-hmm. and just heightens all that was else done. Uh, and when you look at this in the context of Stargate specifically, it just takes everything that has happened that we already know about Teal'c, and it says, now we're going to just lay that bare, and it's going to be wonderful. And then you get that end result of No More Junior, 
And yeah. I know what happens with the various stories about No More Jr. and Tritonin and how all that plays out. And when you figure in all of that, and none of that would have happened if it weren't for this episode here, mm-hmm. it gets that eighth chevron from me. Nice. That's really good to hear. Awesome. All right. That's awesome. All right, Brent. Yeah. It is that time when we look to our listeners yeah. for their predictions. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. And so, I got some stuff from the Twitters. Okay, hit me up. So we got Kevin here. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. How time flies. Thank you both and David for taking so much time to entertain us. Oh, wait. Got some stuff in the episode. Oh, you stinker. Got some <laughs> for taking some so much time to entertain us, Gatewalkers. Got stuff to say about this episode, but not enough characters left. I'll leave my prediction on Facebook. <laughs> All right. I see All what right. you did there, Kevin. All right. Then we got uh, Sean here. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. It's got uh, lessons learned. Teal'c doesn't like bovine lactose at any temp. Mm-hmm. This is true. I guess, even though we established that he just seems to like ice cream. T is always going to give a kidney to Bray. Yep. Chief O'Neill is not prepared to put out fires in a white shirt, even when cars spontaneously ignite. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's the chief. He just stands there and be like, you do that. And Teal yeah. may or may not know how much it costs to keep the Stargate on. <laughs> Uh, Oh, he continues. And my ethical expectations from last week. Oh, yeah. Uh, Regarding um, uh, what was the. Oh, golly. Uh, I remember. Forsaken. Yeah, forsaken. Uh, Sean had mentioned that there were some ethical considerations we asked. Like, you know, tell us more about that. Uh, Ethical expectations from last week for forsaken was referring to SG-1 assisting in killing Warwick's buddy. Mm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, without going into too much detail, I have to kind of process that a little bit more. But I will say that <clears throat> it is fairly obvious that O'Neill is really, really not happy with that. Yes. Uh, and it's that moment more than anything else that really uh, raises his um, uh, concerns, right? He really understands, like, wait a second. Something is going on here. These people, I mean, just to, to kill somebody outright like that, uh, we need to have more conversation. Yep. 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 Well, thank you for that, Sean. Um, and that was all we got on Twitter. So no actual real predictions ah. for our Chevron rating on Twitter. So what do you got, Zach? Well, okay. So I have a few here. Um, the first one, we have a message from Pat who Hi, says, Pat. he looks good in a uniform. Probably talking about O'Neill, who is sure. on the front there. And that's all that Pat says. So, <laughs> um, indeed, indeed. Indeed. So that's there. And now, okay, here we go. We have JD. Hi, JD. JD says, my personal opinion on this episode is that for some reason, the whole is less than the sum of its parts. Mm. I like Daniel being back. I like the whole different world. I like deepening the relationship between Teal'c and Braytac, but I always walk away feeling meh about the episode. Okay. On the whole, I would give it a middle of the road three and a half. I mm. think our fantastic hosts will appreciate the thoughtfulness of it more than I do. Let's go a five from Zach and a six from Yacht. Yeah. I mean, we liked it more than that, but I but thank you for 
uh, yeah. recognizing which direction we we're going to go on that one. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting. I mean, I can. So I really, really, really liked it. I was thinking about this, though, uh, earlier this morning, Zach, of how, you know, as I mentioned, I've got a shot in the arm right now and I'm feeling kind of crummy. And so uh, about a third of the way through the episode, I was just delighting in the uh, goodness that I have with this whole project, with my good friend Zach doing this, these wonderful actors portraying these interesting characters and this show that is providing so much entertainment. There was like this meta, meta, meta happy that was happening. <laughs> Completely <laughs> independent of the actual story itself that I was just like sitting there just like, oh, everything is so good. Oh. And then, you know, kept watching. So I might have been artificially inflated by... Um, uh, strange adrenal reactions to to vaccines. I don't know, maybe, but there you go. Fair enough. Um, we have Kevin next. Hi, Kevin. Uh, again, uh, pretty sure it's the same Kevin who who Probably. messaged you. Uh, he says, "Hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. Mm-hmm. Man, I really love this episode. I love the back and forth between worlds. The fact that we don't really know what is going on until the end. The fact that we get to see Daniel again, and mm-hmm. the fact that the cure episode finally bears fruit." Mm-hmm. Took them long enough to make that episode relevant. <laughs> when I watch this episode, there is so much mirroring in the false world of what is actually happening in the real world. I really hope this episode gets a second chances viewing Ooh. so Brent can rewatch it with the knowledge of what's going on. Unless he's being an agent of chaos today and hated this episode, in which case a rewatch would probably just be torture. I'm going to predict a five from Zach and a six from Brent. Uh huh. See you guys in a few weeks. Yeah, nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, Thank you for that. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Uh, we have Sean. Hi, Sean. Uh, and I believe Sean responded to you, but now he's giving predictions. Yep. So, this episode is a whole lot of what is going on. We've learned some lessons, though, which Brent will run through. Four <laughs> yes. out of seven as its purpose is kind of necessary. And it's Okay. Fun. Interesting. This is really hmm. intriguing how people know that it's important, but seems like it's it's either you're either hitting on all cylinders or you're not. That's that is a true statement. All right. We have Rowan. Hi Rowan. Rowan says Apophis is a surgeon? <laughs> Tilk doesn't have his forehead symbol? And he has acquired a casual speech pattern? What is going on? That's right, folks. It's my favorite Teal'c episode, The Changeling. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Teal'c dreams an alternate reality where he and the team are firefighters, and he is preparing to donate a kidney to his stepfather, Bray. But what is causing these strange and vivid hallucinations? Plot twist! It's a dream within a dream! <laughs> where neither <laughs> reality true? is actually real, except for maybe Daniel Jackson? Congrats to Christopher Judge for writing a great episode six yeah. from both Brent and Zach yep, yep. for an emotional character-driven story with good pacing that keeps viewers guessing until the end of Act 3. Yeah. This episode has been rated 8.0 on IMDb, mm. which is a 5 on my IMDb to Chevron rating conversion yep. scale, yep. putting it in the top half of Stargate episodes overall. That's really interesting. It does now strike me that either you jam on it or you don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so uh, that's Rowan. Thank you, Rowan. Thank we you. have Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly says six from Brent and a five from Zach. Mm-hmm. 
It's mm-hmm. not super meta, but we get to see Judge act outside the stoicness of Teal'c, and it's always yes. great to see him flex his acting muscles, which mm-hmm. I know Zach always likes. Mm-hmm. I predict the Bane and the Apophis factors will be in play for Brent, and it's always a delight <laughs> to see Daniel again. <laughs> it is always a delight to see Daniel again. Uh, this one, you know, I like uh, Apophis being... I was buying every single second of Apophis, the bad guy in this scene. First off, it was great to see uh, Peter Williams. Um, Peter Williams, yep. Back. That was delightful. And secondly, it's because I knew that it was inside Teal'c's head, right? So all of my previous criticisms about how Apophis was just a nincompoop uh, doesn't matter. Like we're t- this is a this is a this is a a, a representation of the terror that Teal'c has imagining that he's wrong about Apophis. And so it just worked. I thought it was great. Right. Um, and then uh, Sean then commented with a Bane factor, give them an extra Chevron little meme there. Uh, I invite you to take a look at that. And by Bane, <laughs> we're talking about the, the Batman Bane, not the uh-huh. uh, Stargate Bane. Yes. I was born in the chaos. Indeed. All right. So those are the... Uh, predictions on facebook that Uh i saw uh we do have some emails nice uh we start off with um let's see here we'll start off with aunt Susie. hi aunt Susie. holy hannah what's going on here she says (laughs) the structure of this episode really requires a rewatch so you can appreciate the layered design of the storytelling Over halfway through the episode, we finally learn what is real and can begin to appreciate what the parallel stories really signify. Mm -hmm. A kidney is no longer just a kidney. Also, in Teal'c's dreams, Ascended Daniel is his secure anchor in reality. Mm -hmm. I haven't left your side, Teal'c, and I'm not going to. That's a promise. The directing and cinematography choices are splendid as we slip seamlessly back and forth from one dream to another. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed seeing Chris Judge flex his acting chops, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful to see him interacting with Michael Shanks again. Yes, absolutely. I give it a seven, she says. Yes. Not sure how Brent and Zach will rate it as the episode uses the same reality dream structure used in Forever in a Day, which they rated poorly. Maybe they'll be more forgiving because there's cool firefighting stuff and the use of Tritonin, which will have significant impact on our favorite Jaffa in the future. Ah, yeah. Brent, a five, she predicts. Mm-hmm. Zach, mm-hmm. a six and a half because he's seen it more than once. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, that no, is true. I really true. did like this one, too. Yeah. All right. We have Emily. Hi, Emily. And I believe this is uh, Emily's first. Uh, and if it is, Emily before. If, if, uh, I, I can't remember. If it if is your first, before, I'm sorry, I forgot. And if you haven't written it before, welcome. Exactly. Hi, so Emily says, thank you so much for your podcast. I look forward to listening to it each week. I usually do a rewatch of Stargate every couple of years. Although in the past, I would binge the shows and get through all 10 seasons of SG-1 and Atlantis in only a few months. Uh When I found your podcast last summer, I decided to watch the shows along with you, and I'm actually enjoying the slower pace. Mm -hmm. I've never written in a prediction because, let's face it, there's no way I'd get it right. So, (laughs) thank you for your email. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks, Emily. I guess she does call this the change thing unprediction. So, we'll see what what happens here. In any case. (laughs) You didn't see that coming. 
I'm not much of a bagel person unless they're chocolate chip bagels. Ooh. I prefer chocolate chip Eggos for breakfast. Yeah, all right. That's, that's fair. <laughs> there you that's go. Fair. No, I, I recognize my peculiarity with my plane on plane, but I am a plain person. Plain and simple. There you go. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to give a prediction for the change thing, although I really enjoyed it. I always look forward to this episode coming around on my rewatch, although yeah. I have to be careful to not watch it around my husband. He's a volunteer on the fire department, ah. and I'm sure he'd pick apart everything they're doing wrong as firefighters. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed so. a whole lot of things that are wrong in that, and I'm choosing to, to skip over there. A, Carter would never, ever, ever have taken off her helmet being that close to a fire fire. Sure. It, never. No. Yeah, but you can't see your face then. See, that's how that works. I, I, yeah, but no. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, it's the dream part. Of course it's supposed to not be good. There you go. There you that's go. Right. That's, Emily, that's what you can say to your husband. It's all a dream. It's not supposed yeah. to make sense. No, it's supposed to be wrong. You're supposed um, to look at him and go, that's not right. All right. She continues. Although I say give T a break, he's an alien not familiar with actual Earth firefighters. I'm yeah. sure everything he knows he learned from reruns of Emergency. Yes. Yeah, probably. That's good. Yeah. Or, or uh, you know, Rescue 911, which probably was still in syndication in the early 2000s. Yeah, probably. I'm not sure if this will get to you before you record your podcast. It did. Thank you. Yep. I really don't like Facebook or social media in general. Hey, Brent is with you on that. That's right. I sure am. So I'm not sure when you'll post it. Uh, you'll post to send in the predictions. I just wanted to write in and say hi. So... Hi. Emily. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Yes. Um, thank you for writing in, Emily. Thank you for yeah, that. Thanks, and if you don't like the Facebooks and you don't like the social media, but you want to engage with people, uh, you can try out that whole cool thing on Discord. Consider the um, Discord. And if you're not on Twitter and you're not on Facebook and you need a link to that, um, let me know. And I'm sure we can get that to you. Yeah, I think we're going to have to put different... Whatever, it's fine. We'll figure it out. We'll have to figure something out. But, all right. And we have David's prediction. Hi, David. 911, what's your Chevron Chevron encoding (laughs) emergency? (laughs) My car's on fire, and I'm dead. Get it? it? (laughs) Teal thinks he's a fireman, and they... Take 911 calls. Get it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. I have to explain the jokes, and it's not funny. These bias buffer jokes are difficult sometimes. Hey, I thought that was good. That was a good I one. That was, that was good. a good one. My, my, my reading of it was not as good. I don't but know. But that's okay. I laughed. Right. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, I mean, I guess. It wasn't a pity laugh. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. well. All right. All right. I'm going to continue with this. Okay. This episode is a trope. Dying person lives out another life or two, similar to their own, but different. In their delirium, cannot tell which one is real. I think that was the whole plot of the movie Jacob's Ladder. Mm. Anyway, it may be a trope, but it's well used and works for me in this episode. Mm-hmm. It also has what I like in the rear, in the rear, well, I like in a near end of season episode. Mm-hmm. main characters and important supporting characters in Jeopardy where you can legit feel they might not survive. The return-ish of a beloved character and a callback to a previous episode while moving the plot forward. Mm-hmm. In this case, the viability of Tritonin. Good stuff for me that makes for a good episode of SG-1. Brett will probably hate it. Or maybe not. <laughs> Ha ha ha! 
Oh my, I'm developing a reputation, I see. (laughs) He goes on. Brent, a low five chevrons for curmudgeonly reasons. Brent, how many times do you have to be reminded that you're not old, just grumpy? I mean, geez, I'm like 10 years older than you and rarely complain about being old. Rarely does not mean never, though. (laughs) It's all all in the eye of the beholder. So I delight. Have I made this joke on the... Like... I'm I'm going to hit my zenith when I'm like 80 years old. I'm going to be like the best version of myself. That's all I'm aiming at. I'm going to be like sitting on a porch, yelling at people, wondering about where, you know, like why my lawn is looking so poor and playing bridge and, uh, you know, trying to figure out where I can get a nice, uh, you know, get a, get a discount on a handle of uh, Jim Beam. Like that's going to be my <laughs> at 80. <laughs> and, and when I get there, I'm going to be like, yeah, I've made it. This is this is this is this, this is, is the life. Be. That's right. Yep. All right. <laughs> so uh, he continues. Zach is going to give it six chevrons because they did something with Tritonin. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Now he has a PS. Okay. P.S. Brent, I know you're not really grumpy. You're actually a pretty upbeat guy. Oh, thanks. But except that I also delight in thinking of myself as grumpy. You should have you should have heard me driving around this morning, man. Although I, for good reason, there was a lot of kookies. There were, there were, this morning was tough. Okay, he's got another P.P.S. Oh, he's got another one. Well, not 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 another. He just has a P.P.S. Okay, but he had the P.S. Now he has a P.P.S. To all the people thanking me for my contributions, thank you. Zach and Brent do the real work, though. I'm just a guy who mostly does stuff in the background who gets to occasionally share the spotlight with them. And a self-appointed puppet master. (laughs) Well, I have said it before. I'll say it again. This show is better because you're part of it. For real. I would agree with that. Brent, those are the predictions. Nice. Thank you, everybody. So, uh, Brent. Yes. The next episode is entitled Memento. Uh-huh. And I ask you what Memento is all about. Ah, uh, see, do I do it? Do I do it? Do I do it? I don't know. Can I can I make it happen? Let's see if I can make it happen. All right, let's do it. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. Colonel O'Neill is looking into the face of someone who's like, yeah, so, you know, (laughs) it's amazing we made it, right? And Jack is like, what are you talking about? He looks behind him, and he doesn't see his team members anywhere. No, let's change the characters a little bit. We already had a Jack Central one. We had a Teal Central one. Let's do it with uh, Samantha Carter. Okay, Samantha Carter steps through the gate, and she immediately sees somebody. Yeah, can you believe we made it? She's like, what are you talking? She looks behind her, and she does not see her team members anywhere. In fact, she doesn't even see the gate. What just happened? She wakes up and she finds that she has peculiar writing all over her arms and her legs. Weird things that are clearly in her handwriting saying things like, don't trust him and look to the pictures. She opens up the drawer that is next to her, finding Polaroid after Polaroid of different people. And there's all sorts of notes on the back of it. She reads every one of them, and they're confusing. They're people that she's never seen before, saying things that clearly she wrote. It's, again, in her own handwriting, but somehow these things just don't seem to add up. Meanwhile, yet again, a similar-looking person kind of pops around the corner and goes, Hey, I'm glad you're up. Can we get going? I mean, we got to get this thing done before it all falls apart. 
She wakes up again, and once more she's confused about where she is. This time she's in the back of a car, having fallen asleep. That strange-looking person that we are recognizing now, but she clearly doesn't, looks back and goes, Man, you are sleepy. Let's get you back to the hotel before you fall asleep on me again. Scene after scene plays out. The story is convoluted. Once more, we are presented with 40 minutes of peculiar television telling us an in-depth emotional story about one of our main characters in a way that's a little bit confusing. What is real? What is not real? What is the nature of this mystery? Join us next time on Stargate SG-1. Memento. So I have just one question. Yeah. Is Daniel Jackson also in this episode? Sure, he's the guy that I keep referencing. Okay, okay. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. That yeah. that sounds perfect. I think that's exactly what happens. Well, I mean, it's a really good movie. Sure. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think I've actually seen that movie. I have seen parts of it, and I know the basic premise of yes. it, but I've not actually seen the movie. It's. I think it's worth your time. Well, I will put that on my list of things to do eventually. <laughs> right there with my list of things to do eventually exactly it just doesn't get shorter somehow no it just keeps getting longer and longer yes indeed all right shall we watch the promo to find out what memento is really about yes let's do it okay i am hitting play now next time on stargate sg1 the prometheus undergoes its first shakedown mission. the bridge isn't exactly what you're supposed to be that when things go catastrophically wrong, they are forced to find a safe haven. Compared to the event of meeting a race of people from another world for the very first time. Their arrival may shatter the belief structure of an entire planet. They seek to ring up the gods. Uh -oh. Which god are you referring? Our creator, Horus. Only a few of us dare believe in him. Please understand that this device you see the stargate i regret to tell you it's a myth who will survive the clash between uh -oh. myth and reality it's all next time on stargate sg1 okay all right that's not that has nothing to do with polaroids but this one looks good well there it is i'm looking forward to this all right well, that will be next time, um, and as we mentioned last episode, uh, we will not be doing an episode next week because I am unavailable for any recording. Yep. yep. Um, so we will release something from Second Chances out into the wild, Yes. and uh, you will be able to experience that to your uh, delight um, mm -hmm. or your pain, whichever, <laughs> you know, you do you. You do you. It'll be delightful. You'll love it. Yep. Uh, give a special thanks to David again yes, thanks, for these David. promos and for all he does to help with the podcast. I am thankful and appreciative of what you do. It's good. As am I. So, with all of that, uh, tell us what you think. You can email us. You can go to the, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Discords now, apparently, because that's yep. a thing. That's a um, thing. Yeah. Okay. So, all of those things, that's awesome. Uh, and until then, I say, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.